favour, will you? I'll move over this side so I'm not looking to and fro. Will you? Come on over this way. Come on, Nano. I want to look at your beautiful face. Right, well then go to the corner and face the corner. It's a lot handier. Right, so you are the yous are the best Christians in the whole church because you come out for the night of prayer. Um, so we'll not take too long. We're just gonna, I'm just going to share a few thoughts of uh, some stuff that uh, I've been thinking about the last couple of days, and then we're going to have a little bit of time to reflect um, in how we're going to put them into practice in response. So let's just open in prayer, and we'll go from there. Father, I just uh, thank you for this opportunity to come together. And Lord, we just uh, we just pray for, for Neil and uh, Ian over in the other man. Lord, I pray you bless them. Let them encounter you in a way that, Lord, just refreshes them and empowers them for this next season ahead. Father, just for even uh, Nabil at home with the kids. Uh, God, for all the people that can't be here because of other things, I just pray you bless them, Lord, and bless us here tonight. Open our hearts, open our minds, ready to receive from you. In Jesus' name. So tonight, uh, I'm just going to look quickly at... Watchman, um, watchman on the wall, watchman in prayer, and so uh, I'm going to start off by reading in Second Samuel 18. So if you want to turn to Second Samuel 18, verse 24 to 27, if not, it's okay. I'm going to read it here, and I'm reading from the 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 New Northern Ireland version. That's the joke we were saying last week. The NIV. Come on ahead. I'm only just starting. You're all right. It's always the man's fault. Unless you're in my house, it's always not going to fault. Uh, so we're looking at Watchmen tonight. I'll explain a wee bit more about what that is if you don't understand. I don't. Does that interpret in Russian okay? Watchmen, what a watchman is. Read it in your Bible in Russian to see and it'll tell you. So I'm going to read from it and then uh, explain a wee bit about uh, what I've been thinking about this week. So Second Samuel 18, verse 24 to 27, and it says this. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, so he's having a wee rest, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he is alone, he must have good news. And the runner came closer and closer. Then the watchman saw another runner, and he called down to the gatekeeper, look, another man running alone. The king said, he must be bringing good news too. The watchman said, it seems to me that the first one runs like Ahamaz, son of Zadok. He's a good man, the king said. He will come with good news. So remember that passage. Uh, in, in the dictionary, whenever you type in watchman or watchmen, it says it's a person whose duty was to guard or police the streets at night, a person hired to guard a building or a property against thieves, vandals, trespassers. But in this passage, whenever you're looking and reading into what the watchman was, I was actually astounded by the fact that the watchman had an amazing seeing ability. So this was in the middle of the night. This was a, it was dark. And the watchman was able to see how the person was running and able to say who that person was. And so in the middle of all this, the watchman was having conversation with the king. And I'm putting this into our, our prayer lives. The watchman was having conversation with the king and the king was able to input wisdom into the watchman and say, well, actually, if it's one person, they're bringing good news. If it's more than that, you need to panic. And so this watchman had the ability to see how the person was running and be able to tell what family he was from. 
And so it amazes me that in conversation with the king, this man was able to discern whether it was good or bad, who he was, what the message would be. And so as I've read through this this week, I've just had this, um, this desire that we need to be, uh, what's the word, more intentional with how we pray. And we need to learn how to be watchmen for our community, watchmen for our families. And so watchmen were people that stood on behalf of the city to protect, to serve, and to warn. Um, so this watchman, he cared for his community. He knew his community so intimately that he knew who a person was by the way they walked and the way they ran. And you can even bring that into spiritual terms. You can know someone by the way they're walking with, with the Lord. You can know them by the righteousness that flows out of them. You can know them by the desires that they show, by the character that they have. But he loved his community. There's some other purposes in, uh, in what a watchman does. First Samuel 14, verse 16. It says that, and the watchman of Saul in Gebeah of Benjamin looked and behold the multitude was dispersing here and there. And so one of the purposes of watchmen, or one of the purposes of watchmen in prayer, so that's you and me, is that we are able to relay information and respond accordingly. And so if you and me are in tune with the Father, if we're spending time watching and learning and seeking and listening, then sometimes we're going to get information from the Father that we feel we need to relay. So it's the prophetic that we've seen in the church, or it's words of wisdom that we're able to give, like the king was able to give to him. If it's one, it's okay. And so they are able to respond accordingly because of that wisdom that comes from spending time with the Father. Jeremiah 51 verse 12 says, Lift up a banner against the walls of Babylon, reinforce the guard, station the watchman, prepare for an ambush. The Lord will carry out his purpose, his decree against the people of Babylon. And so watchmen were also warriors. So this is the same language that's used in Ephesians where it says gird up. So get yourself ready in a position to strike, in a position to take someone on. And so most times in prayer, we're all that the old, please God, please God. But this gives the impression of we're ready. We're in a position to strike. And we're in a position where we know who we are and we're ready to move from there as watchmen for the king. Following on from that, the fact that watchmen care about their community. Jeremiah 29 verse 7, it says this. And so Jeremiah is talking about the children of Israel and they've been put into uh, captivity for 70 years. And so when you read through it, what happened was the children of Israel were taken captive into Babylon and they missed the point of why they were in Babylon. They know that song by the rivers of Babylon. They thought they were t- taken captive by the enemy, and that was, the word, that was their punishment. But actually, when you look at it from a heavenly perspective, they were taken captive, and their job was to transform the city and the lives of the people that they encountered. They missed the point. And so as watchmen, this is, this is what we are called to do. So it's talking about Israel, captive in Babylon, and this is what the word of the Lord was to them. And seek, some translations say, inquire for, require or request the peace and welfare of the city to which I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it for in the welfare of that city of which you live you will have your welfare and so they missed the point and so as watchmen this is stern in me that as we seek the welfare of our city I'm going to talk a wee bit about the purposes of what we're praying for 
But part of our watching and part of our praying is to seek the welfare of our city, of Rich Hill, of Portadown, of Armagh, of Market Hill. Wherever we are at, we are to seek the welfare. So we are to pray for injustices. We are pray to pray for people that need Jesus. We are to pray for, and we could go on and on and on. But as the city starts to thrive, so we start to thrive. And I've been asking questions this week to Neil and Neville and to myself. If we were removed from this town, would they notice? Like a cut, would it need a sticky plaster or would it just, wouldn't leave any mark? And that's the reality of the purpose of this place. And so I'm saying this because God's stirring my heart that we need to be moving more. But we're only going to move more as we become watchmen. And I'm going to go into that by following what God is already doing and has created us to do and is helping us to enter into. And so we're a people on a mission with a mission. Our mission is to bring shalom, which is... I think you used to have it up in, in Mullalilish. I don't know where it's gone to, but it means wholeness. And if you read into the, the original meaning of it, it means this. Shalom means this. The dynamic, vibrating health of a society that pulses with divinely directed purpose and surges with life-transforming love. That's a really good mission statement, isn't it? And so that's the purpose of being a watchman, and that's the purpose of the church, and that's what our purpose is on earth as we bring prosperity to cities, as we bring life to the city that we work into. But watchmen are also for the sake of the future. I want to read you this story. As um, This week I have been driving a lot, so I've just been putting the Bible on over and over and listening. And, and this one just came out of nowhere. Um, in Second Samuel 21, and this is the importance of being a watchman for the future. Second Samuel 21, verse 1 to 6. It says this. There was a famine during David's reign. So David was the king after Saul. Hopefully most of you know the story of how long it took David to get into the position of king. And Saul didn't like him and Saul chased him down and Saul tried to kill him. But David was gracious and loving and kind and didn't respond. There was a famine during David's reign that lasted for three years. So David asked the Lord about it. And the Lord said, the famine has come because Saul and his family are guilty of murdering the Gibeonites. So the king summoned the Gibeonites. They were, not, uh, they were not part of Israel, but were all that was left of the nation of the Amorites. The people of Israel had sworn not to kill them, but Saul in his zeal for Israel and Judah had tried to wipe them out. David asked them, what can I do for you? How can I make amends so that you will bless the Lord's people again? Well, money can't settle this matter between us and the family of Saul, the Gibeonites replied. Neither can the demand of life of anyone in Israel. What can I do then? David asked. Just tell me and I will do it for you. Then they replied, it was Saul who planned to destroy us, to keep us from having any place at all in the territory of Israel. So let seven of Saul's sons be handed over to us and we will execute them before the Lord at Gibeon on the mountain of the Lord. All right, the king said, I will do it. And as I listened to that in the car this week, it hit me that the choices of generations before us can have knock-on effect for generations to generations to generations. But as watchmen, we have the ability, in conversation with the king for wisdom, in conversation with the king to ask him about our steps that are going before us, to ask him how to deal with the things behind us, we can set the next generation up for so much greater than we have. We can make 
the one I always say, our ceiling, their floor. And so it's so important for us to understand the importance of being watchmen in prayer for future generations, if for nothing else. And so it's an honor that we can, as watchmen, be in partnership with the king, just like David in, in the first scripture that I read out. Floyd McClung says this about prayer. But in prayer, as we seek God, we are continually compelled to engage with the things that break his heart and it's conscripted to go out and engage his enemies. So it's literally saying that as we engage with the Father, we cannot but go out and respond to what's breaking his heart. First Samuel um, 17 says that the bears and the lions that you kill in private determine the giants that we kill in public. That's the paraphrased version. And so if you're not learning how to kill bears and lions in private, you will never do anything in public for the Lord. To have kingdom power in public, we must practice kingdom presence in private. And so who better to follow and to imitate in this than the person that exhibited it the most, which is Jesus. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, it was very intentional. It had a specific structure. It had a specific focus and a specific rhythm. And so the Lord's Prayer isn't a script that we are to follow. So we all memorize the Lord's Prayer. We know it. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be your name. We know it off by heart. But that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is so that we know how to hit the mark. When they're striking oil, it's so that instead of beating around and trying to find something we don't know where it is, it's, it helps us to hit the mark of how to pray and where to pray and when to pray and everything like that. And so our Father, it starts off with the who. And this has given us the way as watchmen that we need to pray. Our Father, so it's who, it begins with him. It begins with the one whose focus, who we need to focus on. It sets our heart in alignment with his. First Corinthians, it says, you are the first sons and daughters of the Most High. It helps us understand who we are. So our prayers need to start off with looking at him so we understand who we are and who we're praying to instead of focusing on ourselves and the lists and endless lists that we have for him. In heaven, it's all about where he is. Ephesians 3 tells us that we are seated on heaven, in heavenly realms with him. And so it's starting off with him. It then moves to saying, you need my perspective on the things that you're about to pray about. Because what you think about them is not what I think about them. Hallowed be your name. It's all about his holy name. The Passion Translation says, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. And so he's starting us off by focusing us on the Father, by saying that we need to center our lives around him, around his name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come is the purpose of, his, of our prayers, the purpose of us being watchmen, the purpose of us being on this earth. And so Jack Hayford says this, since we know that his kingdom is is all the kingdom, the power, and the glory. How is it that he so restricts himself to the passions of his people? And so the fact is that God is entering into mission with you and me. And so, so many times he's waiting for you and me to respond for his kingdom to actually come. He limits himself sometimes to you and me because he longs for you to commune with him. He longs for you to be watchmen. Your will be done. It's the direction given in prayer. And so as I think about this one, how many times have you went to prayer and you have such a long list that you're going to take off? But how many times have you went in prayer and sat in silence and said, right, God, what do you want me to pray? 
And so this is the purpose of your will be done. His will can't be done if you don't know what it is. And so as watchmen, it's so important that we learn to ask what the Holy Spirit is wanting us to pray and not what we think we should pray. On earth as it is in heaven, this is the results of our prayer and action. This is why it's really good to have a journal and to write down and jot down what God's doing because we really easily forget the things that he does, but we remember the things that he doesn't do. Give us this day our daily bread. This is our focus because on a daily basis, we have to learn to lay down our rights. We all want really big stories that we can tell our friends. We all want really big stories of God doing this and God doing that. But what he's saying is, I want you to lay down the really small little things and watch what I do. And as you do that, then I'm going to give you the big, magnificent, marvelous things. And even if I don't, you're going to learn that I work through the small things. Um, And so one of the things I wrote down here is that we need to acknowledge him as provider for all we need each day and not create Ishmael's. I can't go into the full context of that, but the context in small is that Islam has been created out of Ishmael, a wrong decision. And so our wrong decisions, for us not waiting for the father, waiting for the right baby to be born, can cause massive upsets in the years to come. And so we need to be people that learn and wait for the timing of the Lord, no matter how we feel about it. Um, Forgive us our trespasses, operating out of a repentant heart, We are not to be loaded with guilt, but we are to give away our guilt and we are to respond in kindness. He has forgiven us of all our debts. Um, The the Passion Translation says, send away the wrongs of our debts. It's literally we're giving it to him. It's done. If we're in an overdraft, he's saying I'm taking it away and it's mine. It's no longer anything to do with you. Um, And a quote from a sermon I've done a while ago says that he wants to keep us as the man or woman of yesterday so we miss our today and tomorrow and so this is in here on purpose because he understands that if we don't understand forgiveness we're going to be kept where we are and we're going to be useless today and we're going to be useless tomorrow as we forgive those or as we release those and so the hero his goal is recognition but the saint their goal is love And so we're called with the righteousness of God to be saints that release his love, not to be the hero that want recognition. So it's our job to give out that forgiveness that he's given to us. And so the Jews thought they were going to get a hero, not a saint. They thought Jesus was going to come in and he's going to kick open the door and he was going to slay all their enemies and he was going to make the Jews a mighty people again. But really what they got was a saint who loved the nobodies and the outcasts. And they missed the point totally. And so tonight as we're thinking about being watchmen, what are we missing because of what we think God should be doing or who he is? Um, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Nearly done. It's a daily decision. So as watchmen in prayer, it's a daily decision for us not to be led into temptation. It's a daily decision for us to learn what pulls us down and what builds us up. It's a daily decision for us to respond in the right ways or the right things. And it's a daily decision for us to engage in the community and culture that brings the kingdom of God into the, uh, the cities that we live in, into the people's lives that we engage in. And so in the Lord's Prayer, it tells us what to pray. But after then he goes on in Luke 18 about the persistent widow to talk about how we should pray. And if you know that story, that story is a story of persistence. And so he's saying, don't lose heart. As your watchman in prayer, just think about, think about the job of a watchman in the story with King David. 
that was a pretty boring job. Maybe now and again someone would run and they would have a job to do. But most of the time they were standing and they were watching and they were focusing and they were waiting and they were discerning. They weren't really doing too much. And so God is saying, I want you to be persistent, to be patient. And God wants it that way. He wants you to cling to him. And he wants us to get rid of this casual approach to prayer. And I'm so guilty of it, where we go. And that's why I started writing lists um, that sit on my desk that nobody else could read, thankfully, except me. And I make sure that every day I go through that list because I know if I don't, it becomes a casual Robert and Lois and Sammy. But now, actually, as I read through my list, I don't actually probably need it anymore. But as you read through the list, you intentionally remember to pray. You intentionally think of and you intentionally are thinking, maybe, God, you could bring that person across my path today. Or I need to respond to this thing that you're putting in my heart. And so he wants us to be pretty persistent. James Gall says this, Evidently the Lord is not irritated in the least by our often repeated requests. I wonder if sometimes he postpones his answer purely to motivate us to pray longer and harder. And furthermore, to force us to ask him for everything we need instead of operating by our own strength and limited wisdom. And so now is the time that we need to learn to ask the Spirit of God, what is it that you have for us to pray today? Psalm 85, I read this verse last week and it it drove this point home for me. Psalm 85, verse 12 to 13. It says, Yes, the Lord pours down his blessing. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before him preparing the way of his steps and if you think about it righteousness goes before him it goes before us preparing our steps you and me we have no righteousness within us the only righteousness we have is from the father the righteousness that we have is given to us as a gift from jesus dying on the cross and so what it's saying is here is that jesus goes before you preparing your steps and so in light of that that's why as i come to pray as you come to pray We need to rethink our rhythm. It's great to have lists. We need to have lists. But we actually need to make more time as watchmen to say, God, if you're going before me, you know what's there. So why am I trying to figure it out? If you're already going before me and you're ahead of me and your righteousness walks before me and guards me, then God, tell me what it is that I need to prepare for. Impress on my heart things in my character that need to change for me to be the man that I need to be up here. Tell me the people that I need to build a relationship with. Tell me the places that I need to go. The job that I need to move to. All these things, as he goes before us, he wants to tell us. But sometimes I think we're back here looking in the one spot and round in circles, chasing our tail like dogs, trying to figure out what we need to pray. He's okay? Is it making sense? Nearly done. I've got two more bits. E.M. Bound says this. I don't know if I can say this word right, Karen. Uh, importunate. Is that it? Importunate. In, importunate. Importunate. Importunate prayer. So it means this, persistent to the point of annoyance. Does anybody know a person like that? Importunate prayer. So being persistent to the point of annoyance is a mighty movement of the soul towards the throne of heavenly grace. It is the ability to hold on, to press on, to wait. Restless desire, restful patience, and strength of grasp are all embraced in it. 
It is not an incident or a performance, but passion of the soul. It is not a want. It is not half needed, but sheer necessity. Isn't that powerful? And he goes on to say this of Jesus. Prayer was the secret of his power, power, the law of his life, the inspiration of his toil, and the source of his wealth, his joy, his communion, and his strength. And so if that's said of Jesus, why are our prayer lives the way they are? And I talk to myself. And so I want to leave you with four questions. And we're going to spend 10 minutes now. We're not going to pray into them. We're just going to spend some time here with the Lord. And if you can, I want you to write these down. Because I want you to think about these. These are not things that you just do tonight and then that's it. I want you to think about putting these into place and thinking about them on a daily basis. And so number one's this. I want you to ask the Spirit, what should I pray? Who, what, where, when, why, all the W's. And let me tell you something. Last week, the first day that I prayed, prayed this prayer, and I felt led to just say, God, you direct my day. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? That was it. It was the worst day I've had in weeks. <laughs> so prepare yourself. When you ask God what to pray, he might tell you some things about yourself that you might not want to hear. He might ask you to talk to people that you don't want to talk to. He might ask you to go places you don't want to go. He might ask you to give money that you don't think you have. Or sorry, don't do that because that's not right. But you don't want to give. He might ask you to befriend somebody that's hard to befriend. I don't know. Go on and on and on. But spend time. And don't start with an hour, but start with five minutes and just sit in a quiet place and say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to pray today? Number two, what do I need to hold? What do I need to press into? What do I need to wait on? What do I need to rest in? And what do I need to embrace? And so the likes of embrace... Maybe there's some kind of doctrine in your head that you're struggling with that maybe God's saying, you know what, your view of that has been not what I have or that person, I want you to embrace them in your life, that thing. Maybe God's saying that you're doing too much, it's time to rest, it's time to take time with me. It's time to wait on that thing that you keep asking for and you're not actually waiting for it, you're trying to get every way humanly possible to get it yourself instead of just waiting on me. You know today I spent time with Daryl Bain um, and uh, they they put an offer in for the building they're in I think it was £45,000 and they didn't have any of it whenever it came or whenever they offered it and so they had like a month and a half to get £45,000 and they rested and waited and on the day it was due they had £45,000 but he could have so easily went out around the streets begging even though they'd heard from the Lord they could have went out begging around the streets saying, we need this. But he didn't. He said, God, we've heard from God. We're going to be sensible. There's people in the church that they have money. They want to give it. But we're going to trust that the Lord has given us this word. And on the day, on the 11th hour, they got the money they needed. And there's more of that story to come, maybe. But what is it that God's maybe saying? I need you to wait. I need you to press into me. Maybe there's something 
that you really want to do for the Lord, but maybe your character doesn't match the gifting, or maybe God said, you know what, I just want to refine you a bit more, or actually, I just want more of you right now. You don't need to worry about all that other stuff. I just want more of you. Number three, ask God now for someone or something that you can choose to be a persistent watchman for. So something or someone you will take the watch on. So someone or something that you're going to say, do you know what, God, being led by you, I am going to persistently knock at that door. I am going to keep battering the door until you answer this prayer and this plea of me that has been led from asking you what I need to pray for. That's the difference in just praying for random things. Praying for something that the Holy Spirit actually puts in your heart to pray for and then persistently pursuing God and saying, I want you to answer this. I need you to answer this. And number four, we very easily, and this is from Neil and Sunday, we very easily um, get into the thinking of the process, so the whole thing of prayer, getting our Father, hurting him, healthy, but we actually forget the purpose. And that's why I went through the whole thing of the, the Lord's Prayer. I know it took a wee minute. But I wanted to just re-engage you in the purpose of the Lord's Prayer and not the process of the words. And so think about that tonight. Think about for a minute the things that recently you have seen transformed by the purpose of prayer. So think about the answers. Think about things that have moved. Think about, think about even the Russian-speaking church. Think about the people that have came and the lives that have been encountered and the doors that have been opened. Think about what has happened through the purpose of prayer because I think we rely too much on the, the practice of what we're trying to do in the process. And so God's longing not to have someone who can say articulate prayers with lovely big words and speak really well in public. But um, William Booth was asked by um, some of his members in Canada in the Salvation Army, they said, we're not seeing souls won in our city. What is the secret? And William Booth, who he was head of the Salvation Army, tore off a bit of paper and he wrote on it and he gave, them, he gave it to them. And it simply said the word tears. And so God is looking for a heart that is broken with compassion for people, for places, for generations, whatever it may be. And that's when I believe he's going to respond to us as watchmen. And so that's it for tonight. I just want, if you want to put that, that music on for five minutes, if you just want to...